they are not ready for marriage. Do you really say you're not ready or do you send them on to get married and then deal with the consequences? The sole purpose of coaching and in the case of people calling it counseling, premarital counseling, is to break that couple up before they get married. I'm doing everything in my process, in the thought process. My wife and I are going through whatever prepared materials that we utilize with the foundation being this, 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 this Bible that we use uh, to give us a roadmap uh, through our lives and our situations. I am there to break a couple up while they're dating. What does that alleviate? A broken family. Yes. This divorce thing that is rampant throughout the church. Oh, yes. In the world today. Uh, looking at all of the, the dysfunction that comes from a home that is not quietly rooted in Christ, that doesn't have what is needed so that a family can become very, very proficient in love. God is love. And we miss the fact by going through and not taking the time to call somebody when they're dating before they've made that commitment, before they have jumped and done things they shouldn't do, have the conversation, not when they want to get married. The counseling and the coaching should start whenever you decide that you want to date somebody with the aspect of doing what? Getting married. If the end game is to get married, not just to hang out and go hold hands and take long walks on the beach and, and smooch here and there and smooch here and there and do what you want to do and, and just have a partner just to say, I got a man or I got a woman. That's not what that is all about. Because everybody's not called to be a husband. Everybody's not called to be a wife. I mean, that's just very, very clear within scripture. It is not something that's to be taken on by the light. But, oh, I'm in love. Love comes, love can go, because we, we sit the love down and we root love as feelings. Feelings come and go. Love lasts forever if it is rooted in what God has said God is all about being in love with the person that you're supposed to be with the rest of your life, that you're committing yourself to that individual. So, yeah, I do my best. And all that I can to tear it, rip it apart before they stand before any minister and give their life to each other. Okay. So, um, you know, you, maybe you feel it in my voice because I know that it is something that we can work to change. With that question, I'm asking you, do you give before counseling and after counseling after marriage counseling, before and after? Or should I ask you, do you think that that's one of the methods that we should put in place, that marriages will be a little more firmer in the church if we do before and after counseling? One thing goes back to the question you just asked, and I'm going to tie it into where you are now, this question. There was a couple that sat before me, and... At the time, every time they would come in for our sessions, they would have had some kind of blow up. Uh, I'd have to, you know, talk them off the fence and the crying started and all the stuff that was going on. And before the night was over, we really didn't cover everything we were supposed to in the premarital session. But now we were able to go ahead and pray and, and walk our way out of it. And I said to them, when they, before they got married, I said, look, I don't think 
that you're ready for this. If you do not commit to continual work, even after your vows have been exchanged, and I offered them the opportunity to have continue down this path because there, there are some things that really need to be addressed because I can see it in the foundation is got cracks in it already. It's still soft. It hasn't solidified. Whatever you want to call that foundation hasn't come to where it needs to be so that you can really make it happen. They're still married. That's been about 12, 13 years. They're still married, but they, that was, a part of what was passed on to them. I do believe that ongoing counseling is there. And I believe that the, the church, the couples in churches, those that have been married, like my wife and I've been married 37 years, to come alongside of a, a young couple to help them walk through it. Not to get in their business. There's a difference. But to give them a, a, a place to have a conversation. It's like discipleship. It's really discipling that couple so that they can move forward and have a solid relationship going forward that they can say, hey, I got scripture. I'm a little confused. I'm, I'm having a little difficulty. I need to talk to somebody. Can you pick up the phone and call somebody, you and your wife or your wife and a husband to make a phone call and not to be going behind that spouse's back and trying to get some information. So I have no problem in saying that and, and believing that it is, is something that is needed because you want the marriage to work. Cool. And if, if you're not at a point where you can say, I got all the answers, you still need some help, which we never arrive. Which we never, we never get. But Pastor, this is one of the, uh, a touching one, a very touching one, and it may hit your core also. Statistic has shown that there are a greater divorce rate among Christians than the secular world. And if this is God's institution as Christian, please, I asked you to expound on it for me. Why are there so many divorces among our Christians? Because we've allowed the world to slide into the church and not we did not kick the world out of the church. He said we are to be in the world, not of it. Not of it. We, have, we have acquiesced and allowed Satan to get a foothold in the church. And we've allowed it because individuals say, I have the right to be disobedient and you can't tell me otherwise. That goes back to Genesis. The reason that there was a problem in the house of Adam and Eve was all about disobedience. So this is nothing new. It has just come to the point where it is more polarized now, these thousands of years later. But that problem existed when it was just two people in the world because they had church all the time. They walked in the cool of the garden. Adam walked, had fellowship with God himself. God was there, and yet disobedience is what is happening within the church and within the families. There's a, a realm of disobedience within the church, and we are not putting our foot down and calling upon solid biblical teaching for individuals. Because remember, children are sitting in the church, 
Children go home with their parents. They watch the dysfunction of their parents. They go to school. They watch the dysfunction of the school. Then they get on the airways, who we already know who the prince of the air is, and it's it's just rampant. Start listening to this, and then it, it, it gets into their feelings. I feel as though I want to do what I want to do. You can't tell me I can't. That's where we are in society today. You can't tell me anything. I, I'm in love. I'm going to get married. I don't care what you say, pastor. I don't care. And if you don't agree with me, I'm going to go down to the church that agrees with me and marry me. Because I won't marry a couple if they've not gone through premarital counseling. Not happening. So when they show up in the church, they are in the church, and what ends up happening? They're sitting there, not following the tenets of God and expecting it to get better. And so in the church, the world has swooped in, They've listened to what's going on in the world. And yes, you're absolutely correct. They've fallen out of what is God had ordained in the first place for them to be one. They've come in two. Example, I do a unity candle at some weddings. I like to do them at all, but I do a unity candle. And a lot of times when a unity candle is, is lit, it's one candle that's going to be lit. There's two candles that come together and then they light their candle. And then they take the candle and they blow the candle out, but they put the candles back into the, can the candle stand. I don't do that. I said, those two candles must be laid down because now you're no longer two. Because if you put up the two, you got a 50-50 relationship going on. Not the 100% relationship. That oneness at 100% oneness is not there because you stood those candles back up signifying that you're still separate individuals. You lit a unity candle, but hey, if you keep a little bit over here and you keep a little bit over here, y'all have never come together as in, in one. And then you show up at the church house and the church house is trying to turn you into being one. No, unfortunately, our church have, have let our congregants down. They've let the church down. Hence why divorce is so rampant through the church, because nobody's standing on the solid rock. What can we do to change that, um, Minister? It has to start from the body and the top. Churches have become very, very much top-driven and not body-driven. So there's an impasse. The pastor's saying he wants to do this. The church says they want to do this. And now someone along the way, we've got to have a compromise. When you compromise, you've just thrown everything that God has laid as a foundation out the window. The church has to come together in unity and develop in their church a solid strategy to eradicate divorce by working with those individuals before they start dating. This is a paradigm shift. This is a paradigm shift, and it's not going to be easy. But you have to start with those kids that are dating in high school and in, in middle school because they're emulating, oh, I have to have somebody. They're starting out way too young with this puppy love, boyfriend, girlfriend. Yeah, God taught us, you know, he, he built us in this attraction thing, that having the attraction for the opposite sex. That is so very, very true. But if we don't teach them the right way, they're going to start going where we are today. The standards have been lowered over the years because this generation is like, they've not seen anybody married. They've seen them living together. Mm -hmm. So we've, dis 
we've desensitized marriage to where, oh, I don't have to be married. I can live together. I can have all the perks of marriage. I can live together. Just like I told that young man that I was at the golf course, I said, you're stealing. That's not your property. You didn't buy that. You don't own that based on God, not by buying as in as possession, but that gift, you have stolen a gift that was only relocated for marriage. Because I asked him, I said, are you living in two separate bedrooms because y'all are, are roommates? Well, no. I said, well, you're stealing. You're living together like in marriage, but you want to get married later after this COVID thing so that everybody could be at your wedding. Really? So he comes from a Jewish background. Who wrote Genesis? Moses did. So the first five books, the Pentateuch was him. So you had the foundation before anybody that was Christian had had. But yet, never mention God. That is the problem within the church. It's okay. It's all right. We do that at home with our kids. It's okay. It's okay. It's all right. Don't worry about it, baby. It's okay. You don't have to save your money. You don't have to, you don't have to tell the truth. You don't, oh, it's okay. And you pacify it. And in the church, we have pacified couples and not held them to the standard that God says I'm supposed to hold them to. And the reason we don't do that a lot of times is because we don't want nobody to tell us as a pastor that I'm doing something wrong. Because if I tell you, you got to do something, you're going to look at my life. And if my life doesn't line up with what I'm telling you to do, I'm going to be quiet about it and let you do whatever you want to do because I don't want you messing in my business. Can I get a witness? Amen. Amen. So, Pastor, you still got work to do. Oh, and a lot of it. But I do feel that many Christians, you know, they just get married, you know, just to have physical intimacy. It's, you know, they're in the church and so as not to be like they have gone astray. They're just rushing to marriage because of that physical intimacy. So I want to know, can we, as, you know, a people, you know, members of different congregations, can we just put that in perspective that that's not the reason for you know, the marriage. Some individuals oh. believe that. I don't know oh. if that's necessarily all, a lot, because now it's okay to have premarital sex without having marriage. So a lot of couples aren't getting married to have sex. They just have sex anyway. They just have sex outside of marriage, period. So is it something that is being done in some cases? Yes. How do you eradicate that? Obedience is better than sacrifice. It goes back to your obedience. If you are an individual that want to do what you want to do, and you say, I'm going to hide it by marriage and just so I can have physical intimacy, they go off and have physical intimacy because of marriage, they have a challenge and their relationship's going to fail. Because if it was all about intimacy, uh, wait a few years. That intimacy starts to, to wane. And if that's the foundation, because that's what you wanted to get married to do, it's not going to last that long. Because if the kids start showing up and the late nights start coming on and then somebody's tired and this is that, or you, God forbid you have an illness that causes you not to be able to be intimate anymore, those things do come up. And if that is the foundation in which they chose to go and get married, they've started out wrong. So is that where you say, I won't 
take part in this. I can't give you the counseling because you're not ready. Or I can't marry you because you're not married. You're not ready. Or are you afraid to say I can't marry you because you don't want them to feel bad? I don't know if you can see the expression on my face. I'm not afraid to tell anyone what thus saith the Lord. You, hey, remember, I'm not the one that wrote it. You can't get mad at me. I'm not the author and the finisher of your faith. So in that particular case, I have no problem telling a couple, watch this. If a couple is sitting before me and they want to get premarital counseling and I, I don't know anything about them, I ask some questions. I say, where do you live? I had a couple came to me. It was a friend of mine. His daughter was going to get married and he lives in Atlanta and he called me up because we've been, we've been friends for over 30 years. Uh, I am a Marine. He was a Marine. We've known each other for many years. And he said, you know, would you consider uh, helping my daughter get married, doing counseling? Now they're in a church. I won't deny, I won't disclose the denomination. And he said, they're in the church. But the church wasn't going to marry them. I said, interesting. I said, but sure, I'll talk to her. I called her and she was on the phone. And we talked and I said, where do you live? Oh, I live such and such. She's a school teacher. Well, fast forward to what really was going on. The fiance was probably sitting on the other side of the phone when she said she was just, she and I having a conversation. They're living together. I don't counsel anybody. And I said it in that beginning of that conversation. Uh, I don't, I don't, I don't uh, work with couples to go toward marriage if you're living together now. You're going to have to separate before the marriage. What do you mean? All of our stuff. I said, well, do you want God's best? So, yes, I will tell them in a heartbeat. And I will, I will say, I'm not going to marry you if you're living together. I'm not going to do your premarital counseling because it's not going to do any good. You're already living outside of the word of God. I don't care how you shape it. I don't care what you say, but we love each other. Oh, but we're one. We're not cheating on each other. And we're doing all these things. And I'm shacking up and shack up. You can continue to do that. You don't need my blessing for that. And I'm not going, I don't bless nobody's mess. Yes, yes, yes. She's back to the church again, Pastor. I'm just I thank you for the, the boldness to speak. Yes. I um I have been a member of a church for years. I have lost a lot of friends, deeply rooted Christians who go into marriage and the bitterness of divorce has hit them. Pastor, I understand the concept that marriage, do you believe with me? That marriage is a very, you know, lifelong relationship between two people. Are we teaching that in the, in the marriage counseling? In marriage counseling, yes. We're trying to set the foundation for them at that time. There's so many couples. Um, I mean, I married couples that are first time married. Uh, I did a wedding about five years ago for a couple uh, down at uh, LBJ Ranch in, in Fredericksburg, and the couple had been married. Uh, the, the 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 future husband, the husband now, he's, they've been married five years now. Um, had been divorced three times. He hadn't been married for 21 years, and he said the reason that I hadn't been married for 21 years is because I I had to work on me. I had to get myself right and work with God. And it took 21 years before he just, he got it right to a point where he could actually go into a relationship. And the lady that he married, 
had been married previously for many, many, many years. And her husband was a deacon in the church and he cheated on her with someone in the congregation.